Hey, Haley. Yeah, Alyssa? Are you ready to change the narrative around women's sports? Let's do it. You are listening to Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski, and this is the Iron Women Podcast, a production from Live Feisty Media. Haley and Alyssa are longtime professional triathletes and coaches. Between them, they have completed more than 50 iron distance races and just as many 70.3s. Their accomplished careers include nine professional wins and one fastest known time. Haley, do I have to tell the listeners how many of those wins are mine? Nah, we'll keep that between us. The Iron Women podcast has a Patreon community which helps support our podcast. If you love the podcast, check us out at patreon.com forward slash livefeisty. And don't forget to tell a friend. Now, let's get to the show. Haley, do you know what I'm doing when I'm feeling kind of down? What do you do, Alyssa? I go to gooder.com forward slash feisty, the live feisty curated collection on the Gooder Sunglasses website, and I read the fun names of all the sunglasses. Ooh, do you have a current favorite? I think today I'm going with Kitty Hawker's Ray Blockers. Oh, nice pick from the new Mach G line. Going for a run in a pair of teal aviators would make me so happy right now. Happiness really might be a pair of no-slip, no-bounce, polarized sunglasses in fun colors with a fun name. Happiness is also sunglasses that start at just $25 a pair. So all of our listeners should go to gooder.com forward slash feisty to see our favorites and find their own. That's g-o-o-d-r.com forward slash f-e-i-s-t-y. Be sure to check out the virtual try-on feature while you're there. And of course, look good, run gooder. Hey everyone, it is another week of the Iron Women podcast. This is Haley, and today on the show, we are going to do a quick catch up. I'm going to catch up with Alyssa Gadeski, my wonderful co host. She's here with me today. We're, we have an exciting announcement from Live Feisty Media, and of course, our ever famous mailbag will answer your questions. And then we have a great conversation with Imogen Simmons. Podium finisher at last year's 70.3 World Championship just over a year ago. Alyssa, can you leave? It's already been a year since that amazing race in France. I can't. It's that's wild. Yeah, I would have believed you if you said that was like, well, I guess I would have believed you if you said that was like two weeks ago or if you said that was like 10 years ago. I feel like (laughs) the in-between doesn't feel right, but it does feel to me like it's been it was like, yeah, I can't believe it's already been a year. It's a time warp we live in right now. And Alyssa, I, I want to ask how you're doing because I know you had a big weekend, but first I want to address my t-shirt. I don't know if you can wear it. Can you see what I'm wearing? <gasps> Haley, we have to address my t-shirt too then, then too. Can you see this one? Yes, we are both wearing t-shirts dedicated to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I have the descent collars Yours has a quote. It says... Mine, mine has her. It says... It's like an outline of her face and it says when there are nine from when like she was asked with the famous quote of when there would be enough women on the Supreme Court and she said when there are nine. We so, did We did not plan this. This was not no. planned. We didn't even like talk about it before we were recording. I couldn't even see your t-shirt until you just stood up. It's 
I've been emotional this past weekend. We're recording this on Monday. And of course, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away on Friday evening. It's been, I think, kind of like a big thing in the news cycle here, at least in the United States. And um, I'm pretty bummed. But I have actually been listening to a lot of podcasts about RBG and I did binge some of like the PBS documentaries about her and those kind of things and the other documentaries. And so uh, I think my big takeaway has been that, wow, what a, what a life and what an incredible person. I think I'm so impressed that, you know, she did so many great things for gender equality and then she did and even into like the later parts of her life. And I think that that's something that I really gravitate towards. I'm 35 years old. Sometimes I'm like, oh, have I really done that much with my life, you know, to help other people? And then I look at RBG 87, still doing incredible things. And I'm like, okay, I still have plenty of time. I still have plenty of time. And I don't have to do anything quite as big as like necessarily being a Supreme Court justice, but I can do little things every day. Like she advised to help make the path a little bit easier for those behind us. But how are you doing about it, Alyssa? I would say similar. It's just, it's sad. It's just, you know, that news when it came out on Friday night was like, you know, you just sank into the couch and was like, I guess I'm not sleeping tonight. I'm going to be watching all of these tributes and listening to all the tributes and like scrolling the social media tributes and all of that. Right. It's like, it's, you know, one of those deaths that happen in history where you're like, I will probably remember like where I was when I heard about that kind of thing. And it has been, I will say, inspiring, like seeing all of the people going to the Supreme Court and laying tributes and things like that. I think like the fire it has kind of ignited um, is is somewhat of like a silver lining, I guess. And it's like a spark of positivity within it. Um, but yeah, it's just like makes you reflect a lot on who she was to you and like what, you know, what traits did I admire the most from her and how can I really kind of try and take those into everyday life? And it's just, the tributes are just so amazing, I think, all the time. And I I just feel like one of the themes that always rises for me is like her subtlety, right? And everything that she did, like she, she made such a huge impact, but she wasn't this like really flashy, like loud, outspoken person. She was subtle. She was humble. She let her work speak for itself. And she just, you know was really dedicated to what she believed in. And so at the end of the day, I'm like, that is, it's a life very well lived. And she did so much for future generations that, you know, I'm just, I am, I'm inspired to see what comes of her legacy. So, but you're right. It was, it was very sad. And I'm, I'm impressed with us for like both being in these t-shirts today. And you can tell it like, you know, we're carrying her um, her torch along as best we can in little ways. Exactly. There's no one way to do that. I think that's what she ta- taught me. That's definitely a big takeaway. And I do want to share, if any of our listeners, after you listen to this podcast, of course, do not hit stop. Do not hit pause. Listen all the way through because we have great things coming up. But uh, a couple really – I listened to the Amicus podcast. Um, there was an episode, I think – near last Thanksgiving, so last November, November 2019, where Jeffrey Rosen and Dahlia Lithwig, who Jeffrey Rosen wrote the book Conversations with RBG, I believe, and Dahlia Lithwig is the normal uh, podcast host of Amicus, which is a podcast kind of focused on the Supreme Court. They had this incredible conversation about RBG. Like she wasn't 
part of it, but they were talking about her. And it's really cool to hear like two Ruth Bader Ginsburg experts kind of just like talk about how much they loved her. And they had like personal examples of interactions. And I really, really enjoyed that as a tribute. And it wasn't, um, you know, it's, it's an older podcast. And so I think that that's still, it's, it's kind of fun to listen to that. Uh, the Daily, I know that a lot of people listen to that one from the New York Times, very popular podcast, but they just did a two-part series, which that one's a little different. I, I think I got a little more emotional with that one just because it's definitely more of a like in memorial or how do you say that? <laughs> Memoriam, right? Memoriam. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of like, you know, it's after her passing and it felt very past tense. And I think the gravity of like her being gone, felt I felt that when I listened to those. And then um, if anyone has taken me up on the PBS documentaries, Nina Tottenberg did a interview with RBG. I think, I don't know if it was like 2016, 2017 when it was filmed, but it was just, it was just really interesting. And I think, uh, Nina and her were actually like good friends. She's an NPR court reporter and, uh, they were good friends. And so it's kind of interesting. Their dynamics in the interview were fun to watch. So there's my three, uh, recommendations for anyone who wants to fangirl RBG this week. I wrote them down. I'm going to take those recommendations because Haley, I haven't done, um, you know, I, I have hopefully more time this week to sit down and look at some of those because you're right. I did have a big weekend and I was crewing for my boyfriend, Matt. He was going for a fastest known time. So an FKT on the Appalachian trail through the Shenandoah national park. So the um, Shenandoah National Park has it's like a, a big park in our backyard and big national park. And the AT like runs right through it. If you've ever been there, there's Skyline Drive, which is like a very popular. A lot of people come out here to cycle on there and ride bikes and do that. Um, and the Appalachian Trail basically parallels Skyline Drive. And so um, it goes 107 miles um, and the FKT, you can people like pick their direction. Right. And so Matt was running southbound. So north to south. And this was like so different than any of the FKT stuff I've done because it was going to be like one day. The The record when he was um, going for it was set at 23 hours and 24 minutes. So that was the time to beat. And it was going to be like fast moving. So Skyline Drive does intersect the AT about like 30 sometimes, I think, um, over that 107 miles. So you can actually see your person like quite a lot of times while they're running, which meant, you know, less to carry um, the pacers. We could like swap out frequently and like keep that pace up and things like that. But it also meant a lot of like you had to be moving really fast every time you were having a crew change and a like stop because if you, I don't think we had 30 stops, but like, you know, if you did take advantage of like 20 stops, right. And then a minute or two at each stop, that's like 30 minutes could go like, you know, right there. So, I mean, it had to be like flying aid station style, um, when we were doing this and, um, it was super fun. So he started at midnight on Friday. And so, um, I was in like the, the second shift of the crew. And so, I thought I was going to get a little sleep, but then with the news of, of RBG and everything, I like basically got zero sleep going into this anyway. But so <laughs> crew, crew group number one kind of started with him at midnight and I and the second group met up with him around three to four in the morning and traveled with him over the next day. Um, I did some miles with him. I um, 
I carried a quesadilla for four miles for him. Like that was, you know, really, really nice of me, I feel like. And at the oh, end of those quesadilla, four miles. quesadilla, like yeah. a food. I was like, a, I thought you said a case of something. And I was like, beer? Oh. Like, that was really nice of you. I, that, uh, but quesadilla. Okay, sorry. Quesadilla, yeah. And then at the end of those four miles, he's like, oh, can I have a bite of the quesadilla? Like, do you still have it? And I was like, oh, my God, I do. Like, thank God you asked for it because I've been carrying it for four miles. So, um, so, and, but we had a lot of fun. Like, we had a group of eight of us there to, you know, help with the, the running miles. He basically, you know, we were carrying everything for him. So, um, but Haley... These like, quote, short FKTs, I guess in my mind, this was short because I'm used to doing something like three to five days if I was doing it. And this is like a nail biter. So we were like, we had our projected time and our projected pace, right? And I mean, I did the second to last pacing section. So there was 10 miles left. I was taking five miles and then I was handing him off to like the guys who were taking him for the last five. So I did my five with him and like... I knew his pace. I knew what we the time we had left. And I was like, this is going to be like so close because there's still like a really hard section of trail ahead. And so all I could do, I mean, they're all you can do is sit at the end and wait. And it's like the hardest hour ever to like sit there and just stare into the darkness, wondering if you're going to start seeing headlamps in time. And of course, that's when like the tracker stops updating and you stop getting like any information. And you're just in this like purgatory of like what is going on. But Haley, we did see those headlamps coming in time. He did it. Um, the the guys got him to the finish in time. And so his finish time was 23 hours and 14 minutes. So 10 yes. minutes. He 10 beat minutes. it by 10 minutes. He got the FKT minutes. by 10 minutes. Yeah. So I was like, I mean, I was sweating. I was, I mean, I couldn't even have a conversation with people because like I, all I was thinking about was like, is he going to do it? And my brain just like was not not functioning correctly at all. Um, and but how, it was super wait, exciting. Will you say again how many miles? 107. 107. And so that was Matt's time or first time running over 50 miles, Whoa. I think. Like he might have run slightly over 50 before. But yeah, I mean, his first, definitely his first 100, his first like long of anything. So he crushed it. And that was super, super fun uh, to get to be a part of, to be a part of it on the other side. I think at one point he like, when I was pacing him, he kind of was like, hey, he's like, you're actually pretty good at this. <laughs> That's like nice. I was like, oh, that is nice. Like, uh, yeah, thanks. Like, okay. <laughs> it's fun to hear your reaction from being on the other side of one of these attempts. I am, wait, I was going to, I ha- I was curious just uh, why start at midnight? So you're going basically from midnight to midnight. Yeah. So his start or his, his idea then was like you maximize the daylight. So then you're, you get the whole daylight time frame. So when you, you know, hopefully you beat the record and you're, at least cutting out some darkness. And then it was, you know, he wanted to just minimize the amount of time he was in the dark. So he like wanted to break it up into two darkness sections, I guess, rather than go into the night for like eight hours plus of darkness. Right. So um, that was the the thought process. Definitely like the guys who held the record previously um, had done it. I think they had started at like 6 p.m., so, you know, he took a different approach and it seemed to seem to pay off. Um, but yeah, that it was like and it was also very cold. We got lucky with the weather. It was like perfect running weather, but it was cold crewing weather. So but we we all did a good job of <laughs> doing what we could to get through it. Congratulations to you as coach, as crew, as partner everything you this is a definitely and congrats to Matt as well I mean for being the athlete fast is this his first fastest known time 
It is. Yeah. So super exciting. And Haley, I, what a couple, so I finished, the two of you, I know. <laughs> three fastest known times between the two of you. Pretty solid. I have to say. Um, and so I finished, you know, running in the Adirondacks about a month ago. And then I've been on kind of like a unstructured training, um, you know, time just to give myself like a reset and let my body recover and all of that. But honestly, mentally, like I haven't been resetting and recovering because I'm like, I've been stressed out and like trying to help him as much as I possibly could with this, right. To like, make sure we got this done. And so I am super excited to like now have some time where it's like nothing's hanging over our heads and I can like truly relax and not feel like I need to be doing spreadsheets and like reading and learning maps and things like that. Um, and I'm also super pumped to be like cleaning and organizing my house, Haley. And I haven't listened to it yet, but I am pretty sure that your mini episode this week is like something I need to listen to tonight so that I can like get started on all that soon. Yes. I talked to Alicia Kay earlier this week, retired professional triathlete. Now or she owns a home organizing company. And Alyssa, I loved catching up with Alicia. She was my favorite competitors and you should definitely listen. And if you need some inspiration, her Instagram at try organizing her try organizing.com website, it's T-R-Y organizing, even though she is a triathlete, it's T-R-Y. <laughs> um, she, uh, has some good inspiration before and after pictures, uh, some tips. And then, you know, if you, if it gets, if it gets, you know, where you need some help, she does virtual consultations. So if you, it does feel good to organize. Like I haven't, I, 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 I've been trying, I've gotten to the point where like I vacuum a little more frequently and that makes me feel better. I have thought about like taking on a bigger project, but, um, haven't quite gotten there yet, but it does make you feel better. And it is a good time of year. And since you're in the off season for FKTs, <laughs> might as well. I know, I know. So I'll give it a listen. I'll keep everyone. I'm sure you will be eagerly interested and eagerly awaiting my organizing updates. So I'll keep you posted. But Haley, thank you for getting that out there because I think it's going to help me get started for sure. And Haley, as you said up above, we have a exciting Live Feisty Media announcement. There is another podcast coming out from Live Feisty Media. It's called the hit play not pause podcast and it is a feisty menopause podcast for active performance mining minded women who aren't willing to put their best years behind them so Haley I'm not entirely sure if that's us yet but um I'm going to give a listen because I am interested I'm interested in this as a coach and as an athlete of like what could be coming right for us in within our bodies in future years and it's hosted by Celine Yeager, and her first guest is Dr. Stacey Sims, who is always a very, very popular guest. I do believe Dr. Stacey Sims is doing some research or has been recently doing research on menopause, specific to female athletes, and we know we love all of her research on everything, female physiology, especially female or endurance athlete physiology. So I am really, really excited to hear what she says they are doing a live event September 29th. So that's this coming Tuesday, really soon. You can probably head to livefeisty.com to sign up for that live event. I imagine it'll be a Zoom call, kind of like what they did for the Unfazed podcast a little while ago. Um, very cool to see them in person, no, as in person as we get these days, virtual in person via Zoom. Uh, and then also, I, I think, I don't, I'm sure that you can either uh, head to livefeisty.com and we can find out the official when that official podcast will be launched and when you can hear it on your podcast app of choice if you can't make it to that event on the 29th yes and they're also at at feisty menopause on instagram so that probably will have some updates for you too and Haley, so last week we asked our listeners to let us know if they wanted to be watching us 
while we recorded. And our mailbag did get um, a little letter in it this week. And a little letter. You, a little letter. <laughs> <laughs> a big letter is a that- much well received i get you guys i get really excited when we get little letters in our mailbag and so um we you know anything you want to tell us please do so ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com um and we did we got um some mail from someone who said that she would be interested in potentially watching us as we record <laughs> so nice we have one viewer <laughs> One listener who might become a viewer. Um, well, Alyssa, should we like take a photo and then we could post it on like Instagram and like yes. as like an introduction? And then if if we get you know if we get like more into it, I didn't hit I did not hit record on the video for today. Um, I didn't realize we would be like we're wearing all of coordinating our... outfits. Yeah, we like did we we were coordinated enough that we could have done this with video, but um, didn't quite happen. But we'll send her. We'll post something for her and Ready? make sure. Oh. <laughs> We did it live on the air for Nicole. That was a, that, that pause was us taking a photo for our listeners. <laughs> but if anyone has any other questions, thank you to Nicole for writing in. Thank you for wanting to maybe see us. And um, well, this will be in the works. But if anyone else has uh, any other questions for us, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We love answering questions about pretty much anything. We'll try. We'll take a stab. And Haley, we have a great interview for people coming up here. That's right. As I teased at the beginning of this show, we talked to Imogen Simmons. She is a four-time 70.3 champion. She was second at Ironman European Championships in Frankfurt last summer, 2019. She was third at the 2019 70.3 World Championships in Nice, France. That was huge, getting a podium in her in a World Championships. And then she raced Kona for the... First time, uh, she finished 12th there. Very respectable rookie Kona uh, finished there. So huge, huge 2019. She just finished second to Lisa Norton, the uh, 2012 silver medalist, right? 2012 so. London. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They did an Olympic distance race in Germany this past weekend. It was like just a couple of days ago. Uh, pushing limits, Olympic distance race. So she has incredible range from Ironman to Olympic distance. And we talked to her before this race obviously this past weekend but it was right after the race that happened in Davos Switzerland that was uh, a couple weeks ago Imogen was a favorite to win but of course that race was canceled during the swim due to the bad weather so we get another perspective on what what everything was like in Davos and Imo also tells us about her incredible 2019 season and gives us some thoughts on 2012 on pandemic life in Switzerland and what she sees coming in the near future. So we'll have that conversation with Imo right after the break. Haley, it only took a global pandemic for me to realize how much I truly appreciated swimming and to make open water swimming something I am actually eager to do. Then you'll be super excited for our new 2020 partnership with Orca Wetsuits. Alyssa, you and our listeners can get 15% off at orca.com with the code IRONWOMEN15. This is meant to be. My first wetsuit I raced in was an orca wetsuit, actually, so I already know I like them. I've been trying out their swim-run wetsuit. Soon I'll have no excuse not to race one of those events. Thanks to Orca for getting us set up to tackle all the open water swim action. Don't forget, that's code IRONWOMEN15 at orca.com. 2020, what a year. But Haley, it hasn't been all bad. 
Okay, Alyssa, tell me what's good about 2020. Well, Iron Women partnered with Form Swim Goggles. The pandemic has made pool time really tough, but that hasn't stopped me from seeing my swim splits, pace, and heart rate in real time thanks to the display in the eye cup of my Form Swim Goggles. That's right, and you've spent the past couple months alternating between a backyard pool, a public pool, and even an open water quarry, right? Yep. The Form Swim Goggles now even work in open water. You can track your GPS in a lake, ocean, and even a quarry and see it all in the Form Swim app. Okay, you've convinced me. Thanks to Form, maybe there can still be some swim highlights in 2020. For $199, you get a pair of Form's Smart Swim Goggles, adjustable nose bridges to fit any face, and a fancy zipper carrying case. You can check it all out at formswim.com. Hi, Emma. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. How are you guys? So we were really happy we get to talk to you today. You were one of the favorites going into the half Ironman distance race at Challenge Davos a few weeks ago. We recently talked to Anna Eberhardt, and she told us a little bit about what it was like to start that race and have it canceled during the swim. But we'd love to hear your perspective on the lead up to the race and the cancellation. So what was it like for you to finally get to race only to have bad weather spoil the day? Well, obviously we were super excited to race, but to be honest, with everything being canceled, I kind of, I kind of expected it to be canceled. So even the week before, I was like, oh, shoot, this is actually going ahead. So I was a bit nervous that like, maybe I wasn't quite ready for it or what have you. Um, but then finally, like in the few days when it was like all getting real, I started checking the weather. Everyone started talking about the weather and we suddenly realized like this huge storm was coming our way. And it was just like, this is going to be bad. So the couple of days before they altered the course, they'd neutralized the descent. So we were aware that like the weather was going to be an issue. And, you know, everyone, the big discussion was, what are you going to wear? You know, people had like, do we, we had to wear jackets. That was like a rule. And, um, yeah, you had to be sensible. You had to wear gloves as well. And the descents, as I said, were neutralized. Um, but then, they let us start, even though there was like thunder going on all around us. We could hear it. We could see it. We were like, well, I guess if they're allowing us to swim, like this is going ahead. Let's go. And um, obviously because of COVID, like we had super separate waiting areas as well. And they didn't have tents for everyone because, I mean, you can't provide tents for all the separate areas. So we're all just like there in our wetsuits for 45 minutes before the race, like freezing our asses off. We're like, we're doing this. We're doing this. And you get that adrenaline going and you just, you know, you're, it's the blood is just pumping through your veins. You're not thinking about anything. And I had a pretty good swim. I came out with, um, on the feet of Fenella language. So she was leading the swim out and we, it was a two loop swim. We get out the water and I hear this guy like shouting in German, like it's canceled, it's canceled. And Fenella doesn't understand it. And so she just keeps running through transition. <laughs> I'm like, Manella! <laughs> um, and she comes back, and I was like, I'm really sorry, but it's been cancelled. And we were all just, yeah, we were just, is such disappointment for everyone. You know, I felt so bad for the organisers who had managed to get it to go through. We were all there as a team as well. So I'm part of the um, HEP Global team. And so we were all there representing, and that was like, yeah, it was such a shame. We still had a good weekend, but yeah, it did rain pretty much continuously from then on in. 
I can't imagine. Yeah, I don't understand German either. So I would have been like, none the wiser. And then like my competitor is like calling me back. I'd have been like, no, 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 I'm going. <laughs> you can take your time. It was so, it was so painful. Like every, everyone wanted so badly for it to go ahead that they just like pushed on with it. And um, it's the pro guys, they got like 3K up the climb, I think. And by the time they'd come back, they were all frozen, frozen. And that was only 3K up a 12K climb that we were meant to do twice. So it was snowing at the top and it, like, apparently at the top, it was just like thunder lightning in the cloud and you were in it. So it was definitely a good call that they canceled it. But just, you know, the week leading up to it, it just been beautiful crystal blue skies and the one weekend. What was the plan? I Maybe I'm just not thinking about something obvious, but to neutralize a descent, because it's not like the tour, right? Where everyone's kind of in a pack and then like you can kind of keep the pack like together for the descent, but like everyone's coming through on their own time. What did they kind of tell you to do that? So the idea of neutralizing the descent, I think it was kind of in particular for the men's race more than the women's race. Um, I don't know if you've had the DNF figures for the men's race versus women's race at Nice last year in 70.3, but the men's rate, men's rate was much higher than the women's because they just tend to take more risks going downhill. And they didn't want us to be racing downhill. And actually, there are some like amateur bike races um, that happen in this area. And the they race only on the uphills and times are always neutralized on the downhill for amateur races. So it's just a safety thing and to, to make sure people like don't take those unnecessary risks. Oh, so I guess like with the use of timing mats, you can kind of... Exactly. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Like basically, it was a double time trial up one side and and then up the other side of this big pass. Oh, that's super interesting. Okay. Um, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, one other interesting aspect of this, in addition to everything else we've kind of touched on, is that it had advertised a unique prize money structure. They had the base amount awarded in the traditional way with um, place within each gender getting, you know, X amount of money. And then there was also going to be an additional bonus to be paid out on a gender handicap system. And you're someone who likely could have finished within the 30 minutes of the leading men's time and been eligible for that gender handicap bonus. So had that like entered your mind a bit when you're thinking about race strategy? Like, did you kind of, you know, consider that when you were thinking about how you'd race? Um, honestly, I, my main aim was to get off that bike safely. That was like all that was in my head because it, I mean, you saw the tour that that happened the day after with, all the boys, like, how many crashes did they have in that tour? It was ridiculous. But I was so afraid. It's quite a technical descent in certain parts, like steep hairpin turns. Um, that, I mean, I disc brakes, but still, it's, it, you know, it's a bit of oil on the road or whatever, and out, down you go. Um, but, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept that um, the PTO, the structure of that prize money. So is is a a good amount as well. They were super generous, um, which they're still actually paying out. So, um, but splitting it between all the pros who turned up. So hats off to them for following through on that. Um, but I quite like it as an, as an idea. I do think that depending on the field, it could be seriously slanted. So if you say had a particularly strong men's or one particularly strong male or one particularly strong female, then it, it, it can put everyone at a disadvantage because it wasn't a set core, um, set time. Like they were like up to adjust it, uh, depending on the results. So say like Daniela Reef, who had been meant to be racing had turned up and like 
she's so good at racing on the mountains there. She knows that's where she trains. So say she had turned up and had like finished within 15 minutes of the men and then the women's handicap got changed to that, then it, it does put everyone else in the rest of the field at a massive disadvantage. But maybe that's part of it. Yeah. It's an interesting strategy as a bonus. I know that a race in, in the UK had a, they did the same thing, but there was no base. It was all just that. And it's yeah. so only like, it was like eight men and two women ended up in the money. And then Alistair Brownlee from the UK, a gold medalist, of course, like donated half of his prize money to the pros who didn't get paid, which is, it's, that probably shouldn't need to happen, but it is, it is an interesting idea. Yeah, exactly. And say so like you do have that one athlete who turns up who tears apart the field in that way, then it does put everyone like at a disadvantage. I think what was interesting in that Helvellyn race as well was the fact that the men actually started behind the woman at the set time handicap, which was cool because then you like, you know, you know what you're aiming for, you know where you are, you know where you stand. Whereas in Davos, not only did we have neutralized ascent, so whoever finished first might not actually have won either. Um, but the men and women, like we had no idea where the splits were. But it was a full full loop run as well, so we would have like had a vague idea, I guess. That's always fun when you're like trying, you're like doing the virtual racing kind of like yeah, we're all doing right like, now. Where is everyone? Ah, <laughs> I have no idea. So you mentioned that post-cancellation, the professional triathlon organization or PTO announced that it would pay the 21,000 euros in prize money to be allocated equally to the professional athletes who started the race. How did you feel when you heard that announcement? Was it a surprise? I mean, I mean, I was just like, you know, it's the kind of thing we were discussing like, oh, it's a shame they didn't just, just count, uh, the, the swim after because you're like oh a second you know would have been okay um but I think I have so much respect for the PTO for yeah following through on that and also at this time when you know the the top athletes are the ones who um I imagine are struggling the least compared to those who haven't yet made it um or you know are still like beginning stages of their career it's it's so fresh to see that like equality across the field as well so maybe in a, in a sense like for the athletes it's like the fairest out it is the fairest outcome for all the athletes who turned up there but it's also just like refreshing to see that side of sport Imo, 2019 was a really successful season for you you finished second in your Ironman debut at the European Championships in Frankfurt qualifying for Kona in your first attempt at the distance you finished on the podium at the 70.3 World Championships in Nice you had a very respectable showing as a Kona rookie going into the race a little bit sick and still finishing 12th. Then you started 2020 with a big win at Dubai 70.3 in February. So I think we got all of that straight. Um, but given that you were on such a hot streak, do you feel like you've kind of lost opportunity with the race cancellations in 2020? Like how, have, how has that been sitting with you? Oh, 2020, what a year it's been. Um, it's kind of weird to think that I actually managed to race in Dubai, to be honest, I, uh, I wasn't going to race there. So I was very, now I'm looking back, I'm so happy that I did take that opportunity. Um, yeah, I guess like I was, I had a whole season planned out, uh, in terms of half and full distance racing over here in Europe. And I actually just got here like three days before COVID lockdown happened. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm not going to Spain then. <laughs> so I stayed here. Um, yeah, I guess I was I was in pretty good form. 
but you know there's always a reason for everything and I can't really complain that I've managed to carry on training through this all I'm still like financially able to carry on doing this like so many people have been struck so much harder by this COVID um situation and the fact that I actually got some races lined up now for the next few weeks that's like I'm quite excited about of course um but yeah it it hasn't been straightforward motivationally it's not necessarily easy having no idea no idea what's really on the horizon I guess a lot of people have asked me like how do you stay motivated and I always reply like you know I do love the sport I do love training but there have been days where it's like seriously like like what's the point um but then you have to also remember that Ironman is like an endurance sport it's a long-term sport and as you said I'm this my last year was my first year in the sport so I have so much like improvements to make and actually having the time to like really put a solid base of cycling of running um not so much swimming obviously um but like that's been maybe in a way that's been that might be in the future to my advantage just trying to think positively like that and yeah life (laughs) I've heard you describe yourself as someone who has lived much of her life out of a suitcase so has the pandemic been the longest you've lived in one place maybe during your adult life um probably since I was 12 years old wow (laughs) yeah so I went to boarding school when I was 12 and I yeah I don't think yeah maybe yeah six months would be my longest in one place in one room so yeah do you like it or do you miss the like suitcase life (laughs) I've become really boring and like oh at home like (laughs) a real home bug like oh you're gonna cook in the kitchen now and yeah feeling really at home I'm kind of like oh I gotta travel for races now oh I have to leave my bed um but at the same time I have like in the sense that in Switzerland we've been quite um, an easy quarantine lockdown situation. Like we've still always been able to travel and move around the country that I have done like a training camp up in San Moritz for a couple of weeks um, with, a, with another group of athletes. And I have traveled a, a little bit just locally. And so, yeah, I can't say I've been here 100% of the time. And you mentioned flying back from Thailand three days before like really things started to unravel with the pandemic. Was it, did you have any trouble with that travel or was it like you were just like in the clear, but if it had been a couple of days later, it might've been a lot more difficult. It was literally, uh, I think if I'd come back a couple of days later, it would have been fine because I'm Swiss. So I could have gotten into the country. Uh, but I was in terms of getting flights, I think there were quite a few issues of getting out, out of Thailand and yeah I was just very fortunate I was coming back for challenge salu which I was meant to be doing so I just got back and was and then three days later I was in the middle of my pool set and they on my swim set and they kicked me out the pool and they were like sorry pools are closed for the next six weeks (laughs) oh I guess I got my swimming (laughs) um so yeah that I mean I, I was kind of lucky I didn't have to find an emergency flight back. I happened to be here anyways. But to be honest, we'd been super aware of it over in Phuket for quite a while because not only had I traveled to Dubai in early February where, every you know, you're wearing masks on the airplanes then, but also super aware that in Phuket quite a lot of 
uh, tourists come from China for Chinese New Year and they hadn't come. So we'd had a really quiet time there and it all felt a bit off. Like the whole start of the year felt a bit unsteady. So I wasn't too surprised when it all kicked off here, to be honest. I can't believe you were kicked out of the pool literally like when they shut down for the next six weeks. It's like, yeah, literally (laughs) getting in the last of the meters. I love it. (laughs) It was like the government's just announced the pools are closing. Leave. I was like, oh my God. Wasted no time. Um, so a quick look at your Instagram does suggest that despite becoming, I think you said home bug, we say home body in the States. And I was going to try and say home bug and like slide that in. And then I was like, I don't think I can pull this one off like as after just hearing that term, but I am going to use that in future life. So um, despite being home more, you have been up to some adventures this summer. We think that you did a 422 kilometer. So that's 262 miles uh, ride from Zurich in Northern Switzerland near the German border to Geneva in South Southwest Switzerland, close to France. So was this a ride you've always wanted to do or was it a fun opportunity to kind of take advantage of your current fitness and like do something that you might not have been able to do in a typical season? I think, yeah. Well, basically what happened was I got a new beautiful gravel bike from Canyon and I was super excited about it. So I just kind of took a, a light bag and went, visiting some friends around Switzerland and then a friend of mine was like oh by the way this weekend this is what we're doing and I thought it was going to be quite direct because you can do it in a lot less kilometers and then he's like oh by the way we're going the scenic route which was hence so much climbing and I was like even better so I did it on my grail bike loved it and yeah I was uh, exactly just enjoying it and trying to yeah, motivate and stay motivated and use the fitness and enjoy the fitness because not everyone can do that at the end of the day um, physically and just have the freedom to do it. So it was a beautiful ride and I've actually loved having the time to really discover and explore my home country in the summertime when normally you'd be like focusing on racing, doing the same rides, same routes, just like have that consistency and know what you're doing and having a bit more freedom is, has been a bit of a luxury in itself. What a way to break in a new gravel bike, like no easing into that. Right. (laughs) Are there any other big European cycling or running adventures that are on your to-do list? Maybe not in this year, but in the future. Yeah, for sure. There are a few like A to B rides that I've, always wanted to do uh and this year like suddenly Davos appeared on my calendar otherwise if races hadn't started I probably would be off doing some of those right now because why not right and the weather's still beautiful here but yeah stuff like um from from here down to the south of France so when I was a kid we like hiked it uh along the mountains and I've always wanted to cycle it as well uh but it's also quite f- hard to find people who are who want to do this with you. <laughs> yeah, like you said, it's not everyone who can just hop on the bike and go for a few hundred miles at a time. <laughs> for whatever reason, whether it's yeah fitness or just responsibilities, which I try to make sure I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what about races? So you have, you know, accomplished so much in a relatively short triathlon career. Are there things that you're like itching, you know, races that you really want to kind of tick off your list as places you want to go and race and see? Well, I wanted to do Davos, but (laughs) (laughs) 
I only got this in done. Yeah, I guess you can maybe you can go back for the the bike and the run another day. <laughs> Unfinished business over there. Um, yes. Yeah, so I was really looking forward to this year doing Ironman Tun. So it was the first edition in Switzerland. Uh, they've moved it from Zurich to Tun. And I was really looking forward to doing that race this year. It's a beautiful part of the country. Uh, I feel like I definitely have some business to do in Kona as well. Uh, as you said, yeah, I was a bit sick last year and I was very much, yeah, I feel like with a couple more years in me, I've, I've got some more potential there. And so I'm super excited to hopefully one day get back there and race again. And, uh, looks like challenge Daytona might carry on. So that would be quite cool to race on the NASCAR speedway. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of sad this year. I'll be missing the Laguna Phuket triathlon. It's still going ahead as they don't have very many cases, but obviously you can't travel there. And just a lot of local races. Swiss organized races quite well, as do the French. So, yeah, I don't know. So much to do. <laughs> Emu, I've listened to a few other interviews that you've done, and you always seem very surprised by your race success. When you talk about race results, you're like, oh, I didn't, I'm shocked. I don't believe it. Do you feel like you're the kind of athlete that's really able to rise to the occasion and maybe get the most out of yourself on race day more than even you expected? Yeah, I think so. I think also for me, I find it's best not to like overthink racing. I'm much better if I just go in and I just like get the job done and then I come out. If I like start overthinking it, then that's when like I don't sleep well in the week before and then I don't race well. Um, so in a way, like last year in Kona, I I feel that I as I was sick like the whole week before I spent like three days in bed it kind of just took the pressure off and I actually really enjoyed the build-up and the experience on the fact that I was sick um but it meant that like it did take the pre I took the pressure off myself just because I was like well I, I, like I can only do what I can do on the day like that's what it is um but yeah for instance in Nice last year which I loved I honestly was like I saw the start list and I was like, holy moly, if I can come top 10 in this, I'll be doing really well. And then I, was, I got to the top of Cold Advance with the girls and I was like, oh, oh, hello. Okay, <laughs> let's try not to do this. But yeah, I feel that like when I start overthinking things and start planning and stuff, that's when like I kind of put the pressure on myself and that weighs me down more than it builds me up most of the time. And some people I think through racing more kind of – build like a routine or habits to kind of keep them from putting the pressure on yourself is there something that you do then without a ton of race experience that you feel like you know is a routine or a habit that you do to help then be like wait I, I am getting into that point where I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself let me like you know take this back and and kind of relax a bit yeah I like to be quite it sounds really basic but I like to be quite aware of like my breathing and my heart rate and I feel that um I can always like you know you you start thinking about coning, like you get excited, your heart starts going like that's normal. But it's like, if you find that the, if I find like the week before a race, like I haven't really been inhaling well or whatever, like do a bit of breathing practice, bit of, yeah, like I wouldn't call it meditation as such, but yeah, just to make sure that I'm staying like sound because obviously that's super important getting oxygen around the body. Um, and yeah, I'd say mainly that I like to stick to my food, like my safe foods as well to make sure that like that's uh, and like 
a controlled factor rather than an external factor, but sometimes you can't choose. And yeah, I, I, it's also about like the people I always find racing or experience. is also about the people you have around you and just having like really positive energies and also people who aren't like, you know, the race isn't the be in and end all. So people who can like make sure that like remind you of that and like talk to you about other things than the race. For me, that is so important for some people. It's full focus onto the race and I completely respect that. But for me, it's like, I, my mom often comes in and she'll come back, she comes to a race with me and then she can, in me, she'd come back the day before and it's like, Oh, I visited this amazing terrace. No, 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 no. And it was just like nice to think about something else, even if it's just for 10 minutes or whatever. And that like normalizes the entire situation as well. Imo, you mentioned your sponsor, HEP Global, which I believe is a company that builds solar energy parks. Can you tell us about this partnership and why a solar company is interested in triathlon? Sure thing. Um, <laughs> I'll do my best. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a German company. So the team is based out of um, uh, Heilbronn, uh, near Heilbronn in G- South Germany. And so we're um, 10 or so athletes of from like juniors to top level pros Sebi Keenley's on the team as is Laura Phillip and um so the owner so it's a solar park so they own solar parks around the world um based in they got parks in Japan they've just signed a contract in the US and then they also have an investment side of their company and they the owner is himself a triathlete and is very interested in the sport and has created a team of top-notch athletes and it's it's a really cool team where you know the Davos was also kind of like a bonding weekend for us all to like spend some time together and so we all know each other quite well and it's also for me it's really cool to to represent this brand because it's actually I studied environmental technology and business at university and when I graduated I I kind of struggled to to make the leap to full-time triathlon because I was really you know emotionally involved in uh, the environmental side of things and environmental change and development and so being able to kind of tie these two together and bring bring like awareness of this onto on a global platform to me that's like a dream come true to be honest Emma, another one of your sponsors orca sportswear also happens to be a sponsor of the iron women podcast here so you grew up swimming and you're known as a strong swimmer on the iron man circuit do you have a favorite orca product oh tricky one tricky one so I've been doing, I was doing in the lockdown, I was doing a lot of lake swimming and it was pretty chilly, if I'm honest. I started when it was like eight degrees in there. Um, so dedicated to the cause. <laughs> that is it, cold. It was, I only went when it was sunny though. If it was raining, I was like, no way, I'm changing out in like 10 degree weather. But I, so I made full use of their great neoprene like gloves, boots, hat, the safety buoy. Uh, which you can put all your valuables in is also really, really useful to me because I swim from like beach, public beaches. So I don't really want to leave my phone and keys on the beach and they are fully waterproof from experience. And, oh, but wetsuit wise, 
I'm about to try the Predator, I think. So I'm quite excited to try that. But yeah, I've been mainly swimming in the 3.8 because it's a bit thicker and it was good in that chillier water. <laughs> I love but, cold water. That That's like impressively cold. <laughs> yeah, it was the kind of water where you like, you put your, you put your head in and your sinuses just feel like they're about to explode. And you, you can't... You just have to wait for them to get numb and then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it took five minutes for them to kind of be numb and then you could start swimming. <laughs> it's so worth it though. <laughs> Imo, you mentioned upcoming races possibly happening in the next couple of weeks. Can you share any of those race plans with us? I can share them and I can cross my thing, fingers big time that they happen. Uh, so firstly is this weekend. There's a race in the north of Germany uh, by Pushing Limits. They're putting it on. And so PTO have also been very generous in terms of uh, creating a prize money pool for pros. And it's a pro-only race, actually. So it, it should be quite an interesting race. Most of the top German athletes are going to be there, plus me. And, uh, yeah, and then there are a couple of 70.3s that seem to be going ahead over on, the, on this side of, of the world. So hopefully Aix-en-Provence and we'll see. But, yeah. And you usually train in Thailand during the Northern Hemisphere winter. Is that still, like, in the plan at all this year? Do you, Are you able to tell at all or you think you might be remaining in Geneva? I, I think I'm going to be living through a European winter. <laughs> Bit nervous about it all, but I think I'll be okay. <laughs> I'll be interested to see what the, the swim cutoff is for when you stop open water swimming in the winter. <laughs> well, I've actually, I'm quite lucky that now that the pools are open, we have a 50 meter heated outdoor pool all year round. So oh, that's awesome. I'm going to be enjoying that one more than the lake, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Imo, thank you so much for giving us a little insight into uh, all of your your pandemic adventures and experiences. And we wish you the best of luck up in the north of Germany in a couple of weeks and hopefully in a couple 70.3s. And good luck with that winter as well. Oh, gosh. Thank you, girls, so much. And take care over there on the other side of the pond. Okay, Alyssa, it's quiz time. Please tell me which noon hydration product I should be drinking during the following scenarios. First up, a two-hour hard bike workout. Ooh, I'd go with noon endurance because you need some carbs for that. All right, second question, an easy shakeout swim. Probably some noon sport, keep it light. What about working from home? Noon sport yet again. Final question, a three-day, 16-hour, fastest known time attempt on the 46 high peaks of the Adirondacks. I definitely say noon instant for sure. All the electrolytes, please. Ding, ding, ding. You got them all right, Alyssa. And I think it's obvious there's a noon hydration product for every time in life. Iron Women podcast listeners can try them all and get 30% off using the code livefeisty at noonlife.com. Again, that's livefeisty, all one word with a capital L and a capital F. Use that code for 30% off any purchase at noonlife.com. So Haley, or for our listeners more so, I guess, every once in a while we cut the recording and we continue to talk to our guest and we get a gem of a story that didn't make it into the recording. And this was one of those times where 
Imo really, you know, she highlighted one of her Haley memories that she has from racing with Haley. Do you do you want to talk about this story, Haley? <laughs> I was really happy this didn't come up in the recording, but Imo and I did race in Xiamen, China in 2017. So it was like November 2017. And that was the race where I managed to crash my bike on the way to the race. Like crashing, like, like race we were, morning. <laughs> race morning, like 50 feet outside the hotel. I crashed my bike and I like, it was actually very scary. Like I landed on my head. I broke my tooth and, um, I was alone in China. I didn't really know what to do. Nothing seemed broken. My bike seemed okay. So I went to the race. I barely made it there. And she did, she did remember that. And she came up and she was like, how was your tooth? <laughs> and so I can happily report, um, everyone can look at the, the picture from today. My tooth has been filled. It's still there. Um, it's intact. Dental work is amazing. And I, it's not one of my finest memories of a race. Imo did finish. So Emer Mullen from Ireland won that race. Imo finished second and I finished third. Miraculously. I, I sort of regret like starting that race, but, um, it's just one of those things. But I remember my biggest memory from that was after the race, we were going through like press and Imo was like speaking Chinese to the press. And I was like, is this a head injury or is she really speaking Chinese? And it turns out she really, she does speak Chinese. I think she actually lived in Hong Kong for a while. And it was very impressive to watch someone just like get off the start, like get up across the finish line and then start speaking Chinese. And, um, it was, I mean, she's an impressive human, obviously. And it's been fun to see her rise since then. I am sad. I'm sad we didn't get her like vision of the story on the recording, but this was good that we got to retell it. And I'm also sad we didn't get her to, to, you know, be speaking Chinese with us because I feel like that's something a very, you know, a great thing to highlight. I feel like we could have mixed that in, but um, at least now, you know, for our listeners. So Another always time. listen to Maybe. the outro because you never know what you'll still learn. We'll have her back. We'll have her back. I'm sure she is a great guest and lots of good stories and still early in her triathlon career. All right, Haley. Well, let's keep the Ruth Bader Ginsburg tributes going this week. Um, I probably will like this shirt might not make it into the wash for a while. So, um, you know, I'll be thinking of you. I'm going to check out those uh, recommendations that you had and I'll be um, thinking of you this week while I, you know, pay my tributes to her. Same here, Alyssa. Have a great week. Bye, Haley. triathlon is certainly hard on your skin without a doubt that was Teresa Helsel dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete earlier this year Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing and luckily Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products including sun barrier SPF 45 zinc based sunscreen and betwixt athletic skin lubricant and chamois cream Use the code IRONWOMEN at TeamZelios.com for 15% off and use Zelios products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Zelio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Orca Sportswear, Gooder Sunglasses, as well as our Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find all website links and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com.